Hello, and welcome to the Road to the Garden podcast. I am Matt St. Jean here, bringing you a special episode one week before Selection Sunday. I'm joined by Chris Daubertine from Blogging the Bracket. Thanks for joining me, Chris. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Chris does some great work over there at Blogging the Bracket, and we're going to be talking today about where the Big East stands a week from Selection Sunday. We're going to be talking it from top to bottom, all the teams that we could see in March and where they would be. A couple of reminders before we start getting into this. First, we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. And as always, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. Chris, I think we gotta we gotta start at the top with the yeah. outright biggies champions for the first time in school history, Marquette. Uh, ranked at number six in the AP poll as of today. We'll see how that changes on Monday. It's a Marquette team with a, a pretty impressive resume, six and five in quad one. Only one loss below that. That was in quad three. That was a, a home loss to Wisconsin back in December. Where do you have Marquette in your bracket at this point? Right now in today's update, Marquette is going to be the three seed in the South. Um which is in Louisville this year. That's the closest region for them. So they do pretty well with the draw. Their first round matchup in this projection is Colgate, which has been the, that's been the matchup for the past few brackets. And they have a very interesting potential matchup in the second round. The sixth seed is Michigan state. And the 11th seed is Pitt, who was, you know, leading the ACC up until yesterday. Well, that's yeah, that would set up um, quite a matchup. Uh, what is it that, lands them in that region and can they move around a little bit with some wins this week oh absolutely because the one thing that kind of keeps them there is the fact that the big 12 has been so good so there are three big 12 teams directly in front of them in baylor and texas the bottom two two seeds and kansas state's the top three seed right now there's a really good chance that marquette will end up jumping at least one of those teams if they end up winning the biggest tournament they can end up as high as a two seed at this point and where would they, if they ended up as a two seed, let's say they end up as the last two seed, which region do you think that puts them in? The last, as the last two seed right now, which is at the moment is Texas, that would put them potentially in the east, which would create some problems later down the line for potentially, you know, Connecticut fans. We're kind of hoping for that spot right now. Yeah, that's the East region goes right through Madison Square Garden. I'm sure every Big East team would would love to have that just to play in that familiar environment. Let's talk about UConn there because this is uh, a bit talk about an up and down season Mm -hmm. for the Huskies. I think there was at one point you would have assumed they wouldn't be lower than the number two overall seed in the whole tournament. Now they've fallen down a little bit. Six and six in quad one, six and oh in quad two. One quadrant three loss that was back at home to St. John's when they had that skid in January. But this team has seemed to put things together. They're going to play Providence this Thursday in the Big East tournament. Where do you have them? Which line do you have them on? I have them also on seed line number three, right behind Marquette. So they're 11 overall. Um, So again, if they stay behind Marquette and Marquette ends up in position where, where, as I said, if Marquette ends up as a two and ends up in the East, you know, Connecticut's going to get shipped somewhere else. And 
you know, we talk about this season, there being so much parody. And for a long time at the beginning of the year, I felt like it was kind of like UConn and pretty much nobody else. And then Purdue, you know, those were kind of the top two teams. UConn fell off. The committee really, you know, hurt them, I think, in terms of, you know, their position, you know, as a five seed, probably in their bracket reveal a couple of weeks ago. Um, which, you know, puts them a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of getting where they want to be um, in terms of the bracket, in terms of travel path to get to the final four, potentially. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if the committee has kind of gotten over that with the way that they've been playing again and kind of splits the difference between a one and a five and puts them on the three line. But, you know, they have a very good chance to of getting to a two as well, um, probably at Marquette's expense because, you know, they're going to have three games at Madison Square Garden to really get themselves in position as the big East tournament champions to kind of jump those teams in the Big 12 in particular who are going to be knocking each other off in Kansas City. And we're, we're looking right at like a UConn Marquette matchup. Those are probably going to be the favored teams to yeah. play one another on Friday. Is this a situation where who if they play each other? Will the winner of that game probably be on top in the seed line, or would UConn need to win the Big East tournament to jump Marquette? Well, I would think that at this point it's kind of, it's the rubber match since they did split the regular season um, series. So I think that if UConn wins that game, they're going to probably end up in better position than Marquette to get that spot. And I, I know you mentioned the East as a location. One thing I'm just curious about is there. When the committee's looking at this, obviously UConn, if they get their preference, they'd be in the East. But is there ever mm-hmm. a situation where they're a four seed and they want the East, but the one seed in the East, uh, let's say, ends up being Alabama because something weird happens or, or something like that, a team that's not from the East? Does the committee ever look at that and say, hey, we're not going to give uh, a team that sizable of an advantage when it's a four versus a one? Or will UConn just kind of get the East if they're the top of their seed line? UConn will get the East at the, the top of the seed line. They don't do the true S-curve seeding. What they end up doing now, except for that year that we had the tournament in Indianapolis in 2021 when everybody was you know in the same place, so you could, you could do the true S-curve seeding. Now everything is really more regionally based, and you try to get have teams playing as close to home as possible. So, and that for those first four lines in particular. So, yeah, if UConn's the top four seed, they're going to end up in the East. Oh, that's good news for uh, for Husky fans. We're probably looking to ho- hoping that they're going to be buying some tickets shortly here. Let's go. Let's move down the Big East a little bit to the, the team that finished number two in the regular season. And this is a a very very odd resume to put together. That's the Xavier Musketeer. This is a yeah. team with seven quad one wins, seven and five. They have a quad two loss, and they have two quadrant three losses. This team lost to DePaul earlier this season. This team lost to Villanova at home, which is currently a quad three loss. We will see yeah. if that remains a quad three loss over the next week. How do you how do you sort out all of this stuff? Where do you land with the Musketeers? I have the Musketeers as the very last four seed right now. So they'd be uh, going to Orlando to play Louisiana, the current Sun Belt leader. Um, that's liable to change uh, as that conference has had a very crazy tournament so far. Um, the opposite side of that little pod would be St. Mary's and then either Utah State or Wisconsin um, coming out of uh, first four game in Dayton on Tuesday. 
So that's if we get a Xavier Wisconsin matchup, that's one uh, we've seen before in March yeah. Madness and one that did not work out so well for the Musketeers last time. Uh, if, let's say if Xavier were to end up at the top of a C line, you got to pick their location, which region would they end up in this year? If they were able to pick the, to, you know, get their choice, they would probably want to be in Kansas City. Um, you could also argue Louisville, but I think that the problem is going to be, you know, they're going to have probably Marquette ahead of them who's going to get Louisville first. So they're going to probably end up in Kansas City as a region if they end up as like a top four, uh, the top four seed, the number 13 team overall. That would be their ideal pick just because of the way the bracketing works. Very interesting there. We'll see what happens for Xavier. Um, and I, I, how much could the Big East tournament impact it for them? Do you think they have? ability to move up or down here yeah because like i said there especially with so many big 12 teams in there there's gonna have to be some sort of reckoning i think for all those squads and you also have tennessee as a four seed they're in the top four seed but they've been kind of shaky lately you know they're missing one of their star guards that's a team that could fall off a little bit um virginia also could end up in some trouble the team that's directly ahead of the musketeers um just because the acc has been so strange this season yeah, it's going to be it. You mentioned parody before, and it, it's great when you list all these teams. It's hard to tell the differences between all of them. And the, you got resumes that are all over the place, especially with Tennessee and Virginia right now. Yeah. So, yeah, that that four line seems to be a whole lot of teams that have really high ceilings and, and low floors. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look at the five, the five seeds, and it's pretty much a similar type of group of teams. Those four or five games, provided all those teams survive it, which isn't going to be a guarantee. Those are all going to be absolute battles on Saturday and Sunday of the first weekend. Hopefully we get through to some of those. because I want to see some of these. I love my upsets, but I want to see some of these teams and duke it out in the tournament. Yeah. Too. Uh, you mentioned five seeds. I want to talk about a team people thought could be in the top five in the country this season. Yeah. And that's Creighton team that has gone through its rough patches this year. They have a home loss to Nebraska. On the resume, that was back in December, lost to BYU, lost to Arizona State, three quadrant two losses, a quadrant three loss. Like I said, that one was to Nebraska, four and seven in quadrant one. This is not the resume Blue Jay fans thought this team would have coming into the tournament, but they hit the 20 win mark. They're five and six on the road, two and three on a neutral site. Where do you have the Blue Jays right now? I have them as a sixth seed. And, you know, the West is going to have a lot of Big East teams because of the way the bracketing worked out. When you're looking, especially with so many SEC, Big Ten, <laughs> and Big 12 teams kind of all being kind of clustered together. Um, so they're the sixth seed in Denver. Kansas State is the three seed opposite them. And Creighton's opponent would be another first four game winner between NC State and Penn State. All right. Well, there we have your uh, we have your your first four games there for the eleven and twelve seeds. We got that little that little tidbit in yeah. there. One team not in your your first four uh, that I think has fallen down the bracket in a way people would not have expected even three weeks ago. That's the Providence Friars yeah. at this point. Who I I think. This team is a lock from what I can tell. They have the three. Well, it's four quad one wins now. The the yeah. lost Seton Hall yesterday actually moved Seton Hall far enough up that the team's road win over <laughs> them in December is a quad yeah. one win. So yeah. <laughs> I guess a bank error in your favor for sure. Providence. <laughs> yeah. 
This team's up to, to 21 wins on the season, only one quad three loss. A, a resume that's similar to Creighton's in a lot of ways, actually, but different in metrics. Creighton's, I think, number 12 in Ken Palm. Providence is 43rd. I think this is a tournament team, but where which seed line would you have them on? I, I dropped them all the way down to a 10. Um, so they're even behind West Virginia, who got a big win yesterday against Kansas State. So Providence is a 10. And again, they're also in the West because of the way the bracketing worked out. Um, I was like, oh, I could put them against TCU. Well, they played TCU already. That's not going to work. Um, so they end up in Sacramento playing Northwestern, who's the seven seed. And then the two seed in that region is UCLA. So even if they do make it out, it's probably not going to be a very long trip for, for the Friars this year. No, that's not that's not a favorable draw. I do want to ask one thing. I think it's interesting. You have them on the ten line, which means they would, in theory, match up with a two seed in the next region. You've got Creighton on a six, which means they can match up with a three. It means we have potential here for I think Big East teams getting bumped around on the seed lines to avoid rematches. Especially we're gonna we're getting Providence UConn for the third time this season. Yeah, that basically means they can't be anywhere near each other in a bracket. Yeah. So. How much of an impact do you think that could have for the Big East? Yeah, that's going to be very interesting to kind of see how that works out. Um, again, this is one of those situations where a lot of things kind of have to work themselves out over the next few weeks. There always ends up being some kind of sorting by teams based on their performance in the conference tournament. And one thing that has made things a little bit easier from the bracketing perspective is now, you know, it used to be that teams used to be separated by conference and it was a hard and fast rule. Now it's all based on the number of games that you actually play against each other. And that's what's really going to come into play over the next week as we get second meetings um, in some conferences and in the biggies, we get third meetings because of the true round robin schedule. So that's going to see some things kind of shift around, particularly as you get, as we do projections, you know, especially on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Um, and are, are are teams that have played each other in the non-conference allowed to see each other in the tournament? How does the, the bracketing principles work for that? The bracketing principle there is not in the first round. Okay. Second round minimum. Um, the first four, they stay in the first four. The, the typical bracketing rules don't apply. They typically try to make it so they do. Um, it's kind of one of those, you know, last, you know, your last chance at kind of separating teams out um, rule. So that's the thing. It's just don't play in the first round beyond that. You will get second round regular season rematches every once in a while. All right. And we'll we'll see how that ends up impacting things for the Big East. I don't think the first four should come into play for the conference this year. I don't think we'd see Providence drop that far with a loss to UConn, right? No, I don't think so, Uh, no. And I'm, I'm assuming they're, are they probably locked into a 10 unless they do a, a bit of winning this week? Yeah, if they do a bit of winning, they can get back up to the eight, eight or nine range. Yeah. And I'm not, if you're a Providence fan, I'm not even sure that a nine seed's better than a 10 seed matchup wise this season. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. One final team. I think they got a, a, a final blow to any at large hopes yesterday, and that's Villanova losing at home to a UConn. I do have to ask, though, if this team were to win out and, and win the Big East tournament, where would you even put a team like that in in the bracket? I mean, we have, you know, a very recent, you know, precedent to kind of look at, and that being Georgetown, and that Georgetown ended up being a 12 seed in 2021. 
Um, and I think Villanova would end up in the same spot. They're not going to be seated any lower than that. This isn't the case of, you know, a Georgia team that's coming in in 2008, you know, with the losing, you know, with a losing record ending up as a 14 seed. This is, this is a team that's going to be good enough to be on seed line 12 at a minimum. Could they get up to an 11 seed or a 10 seed? I think this would be a, a kind of a unique occurrence in oh, yeah. a bracket. Yeah, very much so. If they could, I'm, you know, I think back to when Syracuse, you know, in 2006 went from nothing into to like a five seed by winning the Big East tournament. You know, it's not going to be anything that substantial, but I think that if they, you know, are able to win three games or four games since they're in the first, um, playing on the first day, you know, they're going to be in good position to end up being as a 10 seed or an 11 seed. Very interesting stuff. And they would, they would avoid the play in, correct? Yes. Yes. They will not be one of the four lowest automatic bid winners. And honestly, we already have two of those teams after last night, I think. All righty. I think that's, that's going to do it for this. Chris, thanks for coming on. Tell the people where they can find your stuff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Dobertine and SB Nation Bracketology, bloggingthebracket.com. SB Nation has been pretty good about putting my brackets up on the college ball, basketball page as well lately. So those are the good places. Or as my mom always sends me, I always end up on MSN. So if you're, if you're on MSN, yeah, I, I'm probably going to be there too at some point today. <laughs> uh, well, you heard him. Go look, check out his stuff there. I'm sure. Are you, are you going to be doing basically daily updates every, this week? Every, we get the- yes, every day um, I, I take off for my day job starting Wednesday. So there will probably be more bubble, you know, update kind of related posts from Wednesday on. Um, and then two brackets on Sunday, but a bracket every day between now and and the re- when the real one comes out. <laughs> All right, perfect. We'll make sure you guys to go check that out. We're going to be back tomorrow night for Road to the Garden to do our, our last Monday show of the year to do some recap, some awards, preview the Big East tournament. That'll be live Monday night, so make sure to check that out make sure you subscribe to our youtube follow us on twitter and check out the blog uh for chris dobertine i am matt saint jean and we'll see you next time thanks for listening